we've all been in that classroom lecture or even now that Zoom meeting where someone just has the answers to every question posed at the tip of their tongue. A know-it-all who doesn't stop for a millisecond to consider whether the answer blurted out has any bearing on the question or issue raised. This may be just the kind of mood the author is attempting to evoke in the scene we've just heard, which marks a crucial halfway point in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus, walking towards the villages of Caesarea Philippi, a great hub of financial and social power at the time, turns towards his disciples, the twelve, and asks them a question. Who do people say I am? Jesus asks his disciples. They say you are a prophet, like Elijah or John the Baptist, Jesus' disciples immediately reply. After all, they had witnessed since being called to follow Jesus, the healing miracles that Jesus had worked, his preaching and teaching. It seemed to make sense that he was a prophetic voice in the community, a prophet indeed. But Jesus does not appear to be satisfied with this response. Perhaps he found their answer too quick and therefore ill-considered. Pressing his disciples, Jesus again turns to the twelve and asks, Who do you say I am? His second question is met with less enthusiastic response than the first, and only Peter appears to venture a prompt response. Or at least, that's the only disciple whose answer the author of the gospel chooses to share with us. You are the Christ, Peter tells Jesus. Jesus immediately scolds Peter and instructs his disciples to tell no one what Peter had said. But why would Jesus say this? Surely if Jesus has come to announce the good news, he would want to spread that message far and wide, that others may be drawn to God's love. Is that not his mission as the Son of God? This curiosity in Jesus' response has come to be referred to as the messianic secret. And we see it repeatedly in this gospel, where Jesus instructs those he heals or encounters whose lives are changed forever and for the better by his interaction with them, not to tell anyone who he is. And yet, here he is taunting his disciples with a question he wants them to know the answer to, but not to make public or shout from the rooftops. Why? What's going on here? Perhaps what happens next in the exchange will offer us some clue as to what's happening. Jesus reveals he will suffer, die, and rise again after three days. Although Jesus' revelation of his own resurrection, that he will rise, the most hopeful part in what he tells the disciples at this time, seems to go unheard. Only suffering and dying loom large, and especially on Peter. Peter, hearing Jesus' confession, we're told, takes him aside and rebukes him. We don't know the precise nature of this rebuke, as we are not privy to the words that Peter speaks to Jesus in reply. But it's probably safe to presume that what has offended and distressed Peter was Jesus' revelation of the bitter end that the supposed Messiah will suffer. The Christ will suffer. Spare thought for Peter, the poor guy, and for Jesus' disciples who appear to agree with their brother Peter. 
it's not too much of a stretch to empathize with Jesus' followers. Peter and the rest of Jesus' disciples had already made the hard decision of leaving their lives behind and following Jesus, who they believed was, above all, a political messiah, someone who had come to deliver them from the oppression of the Roman Empire. Now Jesus is saying, actually, you're following a guy whose path will ultimately lead him and consequently you to more suffering and eventually death. It's a hard pill to swallow, wildly irrational, one that Jesus' followers could not be blamed for questioning the sanity of. But this is why Jesus' second question to his disciples is so important and crucial for us today. Jesus has no intention of misleading his followers. He speaks the truth. He will not mislead us or anybody else about what kind of Christ he is and consequently what kind of life we are opting into in choosing to follow Jesus on the path to Jerusalem, a path that will not lead to riches and fame, but ignominy and death. Jesus pulls no punches. Jesus' injunction to his disciples, tell no one, is not intended as a safeguard for his personal safety. Jesus knows his fate is in God's hand and that God is his ultimate deliverer. Rather, his injunction is intended as a safeguard against misinformation. Jesus wants to prevent his disciples from spreading fake news about the kind of Messiah he is. We could all do well with leaders who are honest in this vein, whose manifesto is laid bare before the people choose who will lead them into the future. Just imagine if Jesus' disciples and the people he encountered and healed had spread the news he was a political Messiah, it would not only result in great mayhem and bloodshed in first century Palestine, and put Jesus at the center of the action as the hero everyone was expecting, where there would be winners and losers. No, it would be a lie, because that's just not the mission that Jesus came to fulfill. It's not the mission that God entrusted to Jesus. Jesus came into the world to show them that the version of success they had been exposed to in their earthly rulers a vision that had infiltrated into their minds and hearts, was skewed and idolatrous. They had bought into the fake news that first century Palestine was promoting. They thought that to make it in the world, they needed to have riches, power, status, pleasure. They had failed to see that real power was in empowering those who had none, who lacked food and in restoring the health of those suffering from debilitating mental and physical ailments. They were missing the point. All they had was pure gift given to them by God, and no usurping of an earthly ruler's power would bring them greater fulfillment. They were riding high on their own status, and had not grasped that in giving them the power to drive out evil spirits and to preach the word of God, the coming of God's kingdom, Jesus was initiating a new world order, a new conception of making it in the world. And so the question, who do you say I am? A question directed at them and at us. 
Jesus, like every good teacher, asked the question not for a rapid-fire answer, but to provoke a deeper reflection about what it meant to make God's self human and come among them as one of them, choosing to share in our suffering and pain, not escaping from it or willing it away. In asking that question, Jesus wasn't expecting his disciples to get it right off the bat. He was beginning a conversation or a lesson, and we know that his disciples will keep getting it wrong. The conversation which, through his example and teaching, Jesus will offer answers to. But to do that, for his followers then and us now, we need to be ready to accept a new set of eyes that Jesus offers us to see clearly the realities around us. We need to be ready to receive a fleshy and full-blooded heart that replaces a stone heart and teaches us to be compassionate and merciful in the way of Jesus, not seeking to exact revenge or to avenge our aggressors, but rather to love them into God's justice. A new understanding that sees the world through God's eyes and not our human conception of selfishness and pride, an understanding that brings all into God's love and abundant providence. And as we will see with Peter, who had the answer at the ready and was right to see Jesus as Christ, he only really understands who Jesus is after repeated denials and betrayals, denials that deliver Jesus to his death, but that never separate Peter from Jesus' love for him or from following Jesus, establishing his church and ultimately paying the price with his life as a martyr for the faith. And thus proving what Jesus had taught him decades prior, that it is never too late to accept the new life given him in Jesus, to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. And that, my dear friends, is what it means to lose ourselves for the sake of the gospel. It's an invitation that we too can take up whenever we are ready to follow God, who became human for us all. Thank you for listening to the Jesuit Institute Sunday Scripture Reflection. To find out more about the Jesuit Institute and other resources we offer, please visit jesuitinstitute.org.za.